This podcast is protected under the laws of the United States and other countries. Unauthorized duplication, distribution, or exhibition may result in civil liability, criminal prosecution, and the wrath of the tall man. <laughs> Boy! And before we start off this episode of 90 for Chill, the podcast about They Live, I just want to give you the traditional content war- warning as inspired by the poetic critic on Letterboxd, the big sister. Gotta take her advice. Gotta respect your elders, I suppose. My guest is Gregory Carl from the Mud Show Wrestling Podcast. You can find that on Spotify. His audio has a lot of weak points. He's doing this from a moto stylus phone a lot of the audio just kind of is muddled basically i do not know if i've covered up all his cursing and when i say cursing just f-bombs or greater than that if you want to catch that i'll let you know once i get on to the tattoo squid podcast the episode's recorded does he keep my c drop but i digress so that's all i really got to give you a heads up on and we'll get on to the show Little Hand says it's time to rock and roll. Bring the noise. Welcome to 90 for Chill, the podcast. This is your host, Cool Movies Darth. You can follow me on Letterboxd. The username is CMDarth. That's Cool Movies and your Sith Lord. Easy enough, I think. But if you want to f- help people find this podcast, just search for Podcast by Russ Stevens. I know that works on your Google Home devices. I guess those are Nest now. You're in the field, Russ. You should know that. And Amazon Echoes. You know, Google does it right. I don't really know who their villain is at their conglomerate. Lesson is, don't spend your money unless you want to expose yourself as a brick. That's kind of appropriate for the movie that I'm going to be discussing with Gregory Carl this week, and probably the week after this, I plan on doing a podcast about C2E2, so bear with us. It's not just a ploy. Well, it is kind of a ploy, because it's like, the conversation really goes. And I think I found a good cutoff spot. If you're a fan of the show, or you are a fan of Gregory Carl, yeah, I'm going to twist you for two episodes. And then I'll look at the other two-parters I've done and see if those numbers are really worth it. I mean, I listen to screen drafts, so three-hour podcast, four-hour podcast, five-hour podcast. Not really that difficult for me, I suppose. But I digress, so we'll talk about They Live. Otherwise, I'd love to get some more guests and more movie suggestions on the show. So you can do that by emailing rustabus 7 at gmail.com. That's R-U-S-S-T-H-E-B-U-S-0-7 at gmail.com. Offer me a movie, any movie, I'll work something out, a theme, a director, an actor, as long as we focus on sub-100 minute narratives. So those are narratives that end before the credits roll. Marvel movies don't count, well, not to say that they would count, because Lord knows they are overbloated. And we pick on Scorsese. Oh, jeez, I'm coming into an existential crisis. Well, that's what happens when your therapy gets canceled and then moved a month later, I suppose. Give me a movie, a theme, a director, an actor. Send the email to russthebus07 at gmail.com. That's R-U-S-S-T-H-E-B-U-S-0-7 at gmail.com. And we'll come up with a slice of fried podcast gold. Otherwise, you know, I think we should just dive right into the show. Save you the time. Uh, we'll talk about a lot of wrestling will be involved. And we'll if you skip the Fan Expo episode because of no movie and 
Gosh, that was a little long, I even think, in the tooth. We'll discuss some of that today. I think we fittingly end it with a tribute to character actor Al Young. You'll know him from Lethal Weapon, Die Hard, and most any other movie where you need an angry-looking Chinese fellow to stop your protagonist. From the 80s all the way up to, I think, the late 90s. Let's get on to the show. Oh, let me thank Stacia Harden, of course. She keeps me going, at least her memory does. I hope I'm impressing you up there, and I'm hoping you're still taking care of all the people who cared about you and you touched in their lives as much as you do for me. I think we're all doing well if that's the case. Thanks for coming to 90 for Chill, the podcast, and enjoy the show. What do these things want, and why are they here? You still don't get it, do you, boy? They have recruited the rich and the powerful. They're running the whole show. Wake up! They're all about you, all around you. Blinded us to the truth. Take a look. They are safe as long as they are not discovered. I don't know what they are or where they came from, but we gotta stop them. Stay away from me. Put these on. They have us. Look at them. They're everywhere. We have no other choice. I don't like this one bit. Leave it alone, man. It ain't none of my business, ain't none of yours. We have been lulled into a trance. Listen to what I'm saying to you. We're in trouble. The whole world's in trouble. Control us! You're sending some kind of signals on a TV sets. I've got one that can see. Mama don't like tattletales. Now we start spilling some blood. Let's go! Push I have come here to chew bubblegum and kick And I'm all out of bubblegum. Well, that's always an eerie voice uh, to start the conversations. It's actually kind of appropriate when you're going to be discussing a dystopian movie in surprisingly modern times. (laughs) But uh, this is 90 for Chill, the podcast. And once again, I'm joined by Gregory Carl. Is it Gathman? Because I was just looking... Oh, I just go by Gregory Carl because it's easier to spell. I got tired of uh, correcting my actual last name. Carl's my middle name, though. That's what I figured. Um, I was just, uh, when I was locating your podcast, uh, The Mud Show, that's correct. Yeah. Yeah, when I was trying to find your podcast, that was like, oh, that's not cool. That's not the name I know. (laughs) So... Oh, but, you know, we're going to be talking about They Live. Um, kind of an, almost disappointed that I couldn't, like, oh, time things better, I suppose, with SummerSlam coming up tomorrow. Um, so, but, um, you know, to start things off, uh, we, I can't believe it. Hulu did get rid of No Holds Barred. I'm presuming they are going to um, 
probably be releasing a major Blu-ray or 4K at some point because I know they had, I think at San Diego Comic-Con, they debuted um, Zeus toys. Really? Yeah, or I don't know. That could have been just um, some random, you know, random place. I I don't know, but um, yeah. And I mean, in two more years, it's going to be... 25 years old anyhow 25 let's see turn 1989 yeah 25 years but i was just taking all my notes while watching uh the john carpenter classic which i was actually looking at wikipedia i did not realize it opened at number one in the box office um but i was eight when this movie came out and my parents were still following the uh, MPAA suggestions when it comes to ratings, which they were pre- they were pretty good for the most part, but it definitely got looser with it, each additional kid. I I mean I'm sure you you're familiar with the concept of the flat jack child, you know. If you, wow. you could well basically when you're making flapjacks, you always throw out the first one because that's the that's the test. <laughs> <laughs> okay that makes sense then i've never right. heard that one before uh yeah that was um something my um best friend uh stephanie smith came up with uh when she was uh talking about when she got uh knocked up and with her first kid you know everything unplanned and um honestly if it was just a little more professionalism in the uh uh planned parenthood <laughs> realm and she may have been a little more comfortable with uh what you can get in illinois still i imagine indiana is going to be soon to stop it (laughs) and there's a similar scene in the movie juno where it's just basically people just being nonchalant oh yeah you need an abortion okay sit back wait um but yeah she was just talking to me and saying oh the first the like the she hadn't had any tattoos at that time. And she said, oh, the only one I could think of getting is a uh, a stack of pancakes in honor of her uh, daughter, Miette. Because <laughs> she, <laughs> she was the flapjack. That, that's the best tattoo idea I've heard in a really long time. Well, I'll try to get a bit. I always, I always hope we end up, a re- um, we're, not, we're not on bad terms. It's more or less that, you know, People grow up, I suppose. <laughs> but uh yeah, I saw a buddy of mine I haven't seen in years tonight, actually. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah, I can't really say I see too many of the old friends uh like living out in Champagne and I only really get back to uh Peoria every couple of weeks. So um but yeah, it's it, it, it's all kind of weird my uh, friendships in general i suppose um let's see right so let's see talking about tattoos abortion yeah this is a typical episode of 90 for chill the podcast right off the bat (laughs) and of course (laughs) of course wrestling and one of the few things i um noted as i said i didn't know this was number one movie at the box office uh just got went to wikipedia to find that out um you know one week no, I either i always thought this was just one of those like weird cult classic movies that oh 
Oh yeah, no, it was um originally polit- um uh critically panned. And you know, it was the 80s and you're ba- this movie basically shits on everything that was the 80s. So um so you know, there's going to be your beyond 50% drop off in week 2 as always and hell if you're number if you're a number one movie in 1988 that's kind of impressive because who framed roger rabbit was like number one forever i can recall that like um back in my hometown before we they expanded the movie theater there's only one screen and this is in morton illinois and the usually a movie was there just for a week and then they rotated out it was just like a big deal. I think it was three weeks, maybe a month of nothing but Who Framed Roger Rabbit at wow. that at that cinema. So, and um, which is just reminds me, I got to get around to watching the Chip and Dale Rescue Rangers movie. I've heard really good things about. Yeah, it. I've I heard that too. Too. Yeah, um, I loved me some Chip and Dale when I was a kid. Dude, that was probably my favorite cartoon, favorite uh, platform on the NES as well. Oh yeah, no, I've uh, got the PlayStation on uh, my PlayStation Five. I've got the um, the uh, Disney Classic um, games, or as they call it, I think it's uh, Ducktales. The maybe Ducktales, Ducktales Two, uh, Chippendale Rescue Rangers, and Tailspin or Darkwing Duck, something like that. I bought that exact same collection on the PS4. Yeah, well, I got up for five bucks. Right. Oh, I just I've just recently sold my PlayStation Four, just trying to make some space in my apartment. Um, after I found out the discount I get to recycle a TV, and I can't speak more on that portion. I will say though, uh, had a in law of my former bank manager uh, trade in a PlayStation Four um and he only gets we only give you a store credit at the uh my job i'm being more careful <laughs> after uh marine bank went and screwed me over so in law in law of the <laughs> man i just trained like a junk yeah well i got a so an in-law in-law of the manager comes in um trades in their playstation 4 for store credit 130 dollars like the week before, though, I traded in my PlayStation 4 to uh, Disc Replay. Um, I don't know if there's any near Lincoln, um, Bloomington. I like basically I wanted to get cash anyhow. Like when I traded in a bunch of stuff like the PlayStation 4 and Pokemon White 2, I think it was, which got $65 that game and $130 cash. For the uh, PlayStation PlayStation Four, uh, they they've put it on their shelf at two sixty. So that's standard pawn shop bullshit. Um, actually, not I wouldn't say it's standard. Usually they'll cut you even worse. But uh, yeah, so the person comes in, and so I got one hundred thirty dollars cash. Now, if I would have taken store credit instead of the two hundred eighty eight I got they would have given me like 420 something. And, you know, I wanted the cash and never mind. I don't know if this, this place is going to stay in business if the best one of their um, stores closed. So 
so basically I could have told that guy, yeah, you could get cash, the same amount in cash if you just go there instead of here. But I withheld that information. And, <laughs> and you know, you got to take any little win you can get. So, but yeah, the, uh, so yeah, 1988 Disney games. Uh, okay. So as I say, number one of the box offices, which makes my first first question uh well my first question is where the hell are the men in black oh yeah that's a good question okay yeah i mean the the concept the men in black wasn't necessarily established you know until 10 years later but i digress i i I don't see uh j and k letting this shit go down (laughs) i don't know i feel like he was uh i'm probably jumping ahead like that what struck me most like you think he's just running around pretty freely in an open city with just a shotgun oh yeah no i've noted that it could this character could only be played by a white person yeah 100 percent. because like once he's you know call they report the uh uh you know the um you look like you fell into the cheese dip in 1957 <laughs> <laughs> a woman reports him the two cops go and grab them and like they're both they're both aliens so the plot of they live i guess is where we go well get to that um and they pull they pull them and say look let's let's just talk things out we you've stumbled across something we can make it beneficial for everybody uh before you know piper goes off and kills two cops and then goes into the bank with the shotgun for the iconic line uh came here to choose bubble gum and kick ass and i'm all out of bubble gum i don't have a great piper there's a lot of wrestlers though in my time who like just nail piper i don't it's a very unique voice um so yeah there's uh that like the men in black you know could have I, I just don't see Will Smith and Tommy Lee Jones letting this shit go down. And, uh, but um, as I say, this is a number one movie at the box office. It's opening weekend. And the next year is No Holds Barred, 1989. So, that was number one also? I'm sorry? That was number one also? No, it was not. Batman killed everything. <laughs> I think Ghostbusters was the closest thing. Ghostbusters 2 was the closest thing that uh, did well. I mean, actually, 1989, you had three big blockbusters. You had Batman, you had uh, Ghostbusters 2, which made over $100 million. Definitely not as much money as the first Ghostbusters. Um, And then you had Indiana Jones and the Last Crusade. So basically everything in the summer was dead meat otherwise uh uhf cult classic there uh no holds barred cult classic but it's more for all the wrong reasons that's a so bad it's good movie uh if you can even say that like it's just i i i have a i have a blog called rip em system uh play on one of uh on a kmfdm song and the name of Hulk Hogan's character, of course. And 
Uh, I pretty much that blog was dedicated to the concept that no holds barred is Vince McMahon's Mein Kampf. Is, is everything Vince McMahon would want to do in wrestling, but pretty much could. Like, um, you know, killing, yeah, killing, kill, kill, killing, killing the corporate guy. Uh, you know, well, I mean, they tried to do that or would have done that if not for Benoit. Right. Yeah, that's true. As I say, it was he. He was laying the groundwork for everything he was going to do. Um, yeah. I'm- I really I get, want to watch that movie. I'm not sure. I don't think I've ever watched it from beginning to end, like not on TV. Yeah, I've the first time I watched it was like right before WrestleMania eight when they thought it was gonna be a Hogan Swan song. Uh of course it wasn't. They brought him they brought him back to WrestleMania nine. Uh and then he then that's all that's pretty much how wrestling devolved. <laughs> So, uh, I guess you'd say it. It definitely the days of the territories definitely ended there because once Ted Turner could figure a way to get Hogan, you had the war, and you know when you have two giant conglomerates, which thankfully AEW is letting the most of their wrestlers wrestle indies on the weekends. So when you're only working one night a week, something you can afford, I suppose. Um, but yeah, so basically the story, I mean, the story is this movie was shot in 1987, uh, Roddy Piper retired at WrestleMania three. So he could go on and move into acting. And I, what I think came to mind is that, uh, no holds barred was, you know, well, it's just basically Vince McMahon makes everybody or wants you to believe he makes everybody. And so I basically think was no, my, well, I have a question of was no holds barred a reaction to Roddy Piper's success. I don't know. Was he that successful in movies? No, but his first movie was a number one at the box office. Yeah, I guess that's true. That, so that's what I'm saying. Would would Vince McMahon? I mean, I don't know. You go back to Beyond the Mat. I'm sure you've seen that doc. Yeah. Right, and you know, um, the first thing introduction of Vince McMahon is you know, we make movies, <laughs> <laughs> and uh, so maybe. But I'm just saying, eh, you know, I guess they may have had to. Like the story behind No Holds Barred is they got the original script. McMahon and Hogan didn't like it. Um, they still wanted to do the movie, so they locked themselves up in a hotel room for two days and rewrote the script. Uh, there's an excellent episode of How Did This Get Made about No Holds Barred. And um, the guest on that episode was uh, Tom Lennon, um, probably best remember it as Officer Dangle on uh, Reno 911, the one who wore the short shorts. <laughs> oh yeah no I, I, me and my dad loved that show man. yeah that's the one i gotta consider doing is finding uh reno 911 uh miami the i did see that movie in theaters so that was a fun one and hey we got a wrestler another wrestler in that that's another dwayne johnson before he was really well i i don't know when that dwayne... wasn't... 
I'm so- I forgot he was in that. Yeah, well, he wasn't in there for long. <laughs> I haven't watched it in a long time. Yeah, no, he's he's uh, like after all the cops have been poisoned except for the the uh, Reno crew. There's only one other cop who's like getting everything ready, and I think. I don't know. I think it may have been Officer Water who actually accidentally blew him up. <laughs> but I know that's how Pat Oswalt gets it. Spoilers for Reno 911 Miami. <laughs> um, so, yeah, I was just thinking, like, you know, Vince McMahon made no, I'm just suggesting Vince McMahon made no holds barred because he couldn't let Piper just make it big. <laughs> so, um, but uh, I wish they got more into the hacking in this movie. I thought that hacker guy was pretty cool. I kind of wish they kind of ran into him at some point in the movie. Uh, the the hacker guy and uh, yeah, the guy that pops up on the TV and they okay, live. yeah. Well, they 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 kill him off pretty fast. I mean, I'm presuming they killed him. Uh, him and the street preacher. Um. But, so uh, I read an article about old school hacking. I always found that fascinating. Oh, how, yeah. How that, they were doing it way back when. Yeah, well, back in the days of analog. I I could see it, actually. I mean, it'd probably take more work, but the theories are probably a lot simpler. Uh, I read an article about this guy. He used to do stuff over the phone. He was deaf or something like that, so he could hear the specific tones. You mean blind? Blind, yeah. Yeah, yeah but I don't remember what it was. It's been a while since I read the article, but it was oh, read. Oh yeah. Well, I mean, it goes back to uh, working in retail, and you know, I've finally gotten to the point. Like I've been it long enough. I think we always had debit, but didn't really become a major thing until I'd say six years into my uh, retail career. Well, that's that's a little insulting i suppose to debit technology but um you could still do that like you got plenty of people like i do my best to step back when somebody's ringing out so they so they know i'm not looking for their pin but the numbers still make different sounds little pitches so yeah yeah, don't trust so the message is don't trust blind people in general (laughs) i guess there (laughs) And honestly, like you could just, there's so many ways to cheat, cheat that, uh, especially like you could just watch how their fingers are moving along the up and down the pad without seeing them actually hit any numbers. There's, there's plenty of tricks. Um, so again, good thing. I don't mention my employer. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I could get all the social security numbers. Yeah, well, this is back there taking all the debit card information. <laughs> Oh, okay, so, uh, but I think that's a that's a fair, um, you know, fair little conversation we just went on because it's beep beep. I got you. Yeah, well, as you say, or I could just watch them move their hands. I got my sight. You know, I'm better than in a blind hacker. Thank you. Able bodies rock. <laughs> uh, Something else, I, I think we might be hearing stories about like how they took out the homeless camp. I think we might. Be start hearing similar stories about that uh you know it's well they they well they did that back in the 60s um like when um black protesters uh 
I'm pretty sure they just wiped out the one that the uh, tent town they built in Washington like that. Um, just right, you know, all right, we'll let Martin Luther King have his dream speech and then no, no more. Um, there, yeah, there, there were a lot of communist movements like that, actually, that would put, put up tent cities and yeah, you know, the police would just wipe them down. Um, well, yeah, they mentioned that they just tell the police that they're communists. Yeah. Oh, yeah. That's a yeah. That was uh, later brought up. You know. Yeah, they think you know, they just tell the you know the cops who haven't sold out that they're fighting communists. I mean, so but I'm just going through my notes, and it's like you know this entire movie really suggests uh, you know who are you willing to abandon to uh, in to celebrate capitalism. Because uh, we do have the uh, cranky old guy who actually kind of thought you thought not cranky, not really old, kind of rip torn like uh, what rip torn. Another because Men in Black reference. The TV? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. 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 I'm actually I got the uh, the raid right now, and he's just lit up a cigarette. So maybe I should have read that a little sooner. <laughs> like um but yeah it's uh and you know when you look at his motivations it could be that you know the poor just being poor you just don't have the energy to fight so um you know thank god for the internet now i suppose of course then yeah that gave us donald trump so (laughs) again vince mcmahon don't give people platforms period thank god you're retired (laughs) Um, so, so there's, um, and it was just, so, you know, we're, what are we 25 minutes in? So I might as well go over the plot of, uh, no holds barred for those who have not seen it, um, uh, which is kind of weird for podcast sakes. Cause it's like when I watch a movie, listen to a movie podcast for the most part, it's kind of like, if I haven't seen the movie, I'm just, you know, I don't want to, I want, I want to come back to your episode. But, um, and there's there's great shows like How Did This Get Made, where it's basically like some some episodes I've listened to just because like Princess Diana, uh, Princess Diana the musical. Okay, let's see how crap. I I don't want to watch that, but I would love to hear Paul Shear and uh, Jason Manzukis just rip into it. Um, I did that for the um, Harry and harry and megan lifetime movie actually um so yeah poor doesn't have the energy to fight um so the the movie is about roddy piper's character uh nada who's i i I think it's very you know of course has nothing um and john carpenter is a type who would throw in a cheap little spanish joke like that and he's come from denver looking for work and finds himself a construction job still doesn't have a place to live so he's uh his friend so a friend he makes immediately at the working work site uh played by keith david uh who's (laughs) i think he's done more like the only other um 
John Carpenter movie that comes <laughs> comes to mind with Keith David is The Thing. Um, which, spoiler for The Thing, he isn't The Thing in the end. Because uh, they the thing to the thing video game, it the, the game ends with McCready flying you out. So that's Kurt Russell's character, and I know that Carpenter wanted Roddy Piper for this movie, but I could say that his uh, character is pretty much written like any Kurt Russell character. I would say. Is in me. I'm sorry. He he really kind of is. Yeah. But he does kind of just like stumble into things though. Like things just kind of happen like a correct me if I'm wrong but he just kind of like stumbles onto the sunglasses, right? He right. So yeah. So uh Piper, Nada and Frank, uh, Keith David, you know, are just chill doing their best to chill out at the homeless camp. And which is across from a church that's supposedly helping them out. And we have a character uh, play who's just, you know, and some characters who are just watching TV, which you is constantly getting its, te- its signal hacked by somebody talking about how um, basically aliens have invaded. You're asleep. And you could you could even tell the people watching it. Oh, I'm getting headaches. That's the kind of um, the signal they're delivering. Um. So what happens? So what happens is Piper is curious because you got that going on. He could at one point he sees the street preacher that um, is introduced pretty early, a blind black street preacher who's say who's just trying to pretty much just saying it from like a you know, um, fire and brimstone element. Like, okay, he the preacher pretty much believes that this is the end times and we got to fight. So, um, you know, as church lady says, could it be Satan? Um, and so Piper is just curious about this, how, you know, you got these TVs being hacked and then you have, a church that's playing uh, choir music all the way to 4 a.m. So curious Piper goes and discovers that, yeah, it's a tape recorder. Uh, believes there's some kind of lab. He doesn't really get too great a look, but he finds a box full of sunglasses. So eventually the camp gets raided. The church is left pretty much untouched because everybody ran out of it. And Piper returns to that, bo- get that box of sunglasses, just trying to make sense of, you know, why a bunch of people are just, you know, ran out of their home. And uh, let's see, uh, just getting a notice on my Twitter. Uh, one of my co- uh, familiar guests, Gregory, uh, not Gregory, Carl, uh, which I accidentally called him during our producer's podcast. <laughs> uh, uh, Michael Dubois. Um, yeah, he just said, just got the message. Like, hey, you know, I'm paying for premium Zoom. Like, if you want to jump in on this conversation, here's the time. So he just now got that message. <laughs> so 
So Piper finds, takes out the box of sunglasses, well, sunglasses, and tries them on. And suddenly the world is black and white, which uh, now that I think of just saying it out loud is pretty ironic. That uh get too high too. I completely forgot about that part. Maybe I didn't catch it last time I watched it. Oh. Yeah, so I forgot they got you high also. Yes, that's that was something that's what I brought up while saying the TV signals giving people headaches. Um yeah, so Piper finds the sunglasses, the world turns black and white, and suddenly it's all he he just starts seeing subliminal messages everywhere. Um I'm sure you're you're familiar with the Obey clothing line, correct? Uh, no. Oh, okay. Uh, so you go to a like you can go to a skate shop, um, or a poser skate shop, I guess, like Zooms. Uh, there's one in Northwoods Mall in Peoria, and um, it's actually the um. So it was a creation of the. It was an art. The so there's a clothing line now, but it originally was just a artist who um, Shepard Ferry, who really came into prominence for doing the Barack Obama Hope poster. Okay. All right. So, but how he how what he was doing was he, uh, initially was he um, would do like uh, a very Andy Warhol in a way, just like take pop culture and uh, create art with it. And his first real, but his, um, his catch, I guess you'd say his trademark was he'd always put Andre the giant somewhere in his paintings. And his first one is basically just, uh, Andre's face and underneath Andre's face is the word obey. Okay, I'm familiar with that. Yeah, so right. So he got the so he got the obey message from They Live. And Andre the Giant just being the icon that he was was who he just stuck as kind of his trademark. So and now that's a big clothing line. Like I again, my friend Stephanie, like she she was ahead on it. And then um yep then it blew up big like i mean my thing was domo kun he's like if you look at my uh avatar on my uh on the zoom it's uh domo just eating up a bunch of rice it looks like <laughs> nom and nom 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 and uh like oh right cool i like i got him tattooed on my wrist and then six months later he's a target mascot yeah, I have. A, I feel the same way about my Punisher tattoo. I oh. never thought that was being a Smack. political thing. Now I just I I, I want to get it covered up. Like I I don't really want to, but I feel like I need to now. Um, I don't know. I, I mean, my Punisher thing would send the wrong. I don't know. Dude, I get roped into like weird political discussions. Oh yeah, because they see the tattoo and like I, I don't right, know. they they get the wrong impression of where you're at. Um, yeah, no, I you see, I look at it like would I get any of my tattoos covered up? And I'd say no. Um, like uh, maybe my first tattoo, but that's just because it was my first tattoo, so it doesn't look any doesn't look that great now. It's all faded and 
I didn't know how to take care of it right away and all that stuff. Um, but like, what would I do? Well, I just basically, it's a cut, it's a eighties uh, Cubs logo. Um, which made, that was my trademark on the professional wrestling scene, probably more than my character, the student of the game and carrying out the, uh, idiot's guide to the complete idiot's guide, to professional wrestling is a prop. <laughs> yeah. Um, so I eventually like two years into my career, I ended up getting Cubs tattoo. And um, then I uh, um, pretty much like, you know, a couple months afterwards, that's when I uh, got my first uh, uh, match in Milwaukee, made about three trips up there. And uh, like, it was a, you know, and uh, uh, you know, I didn't realize they had that much passion, the Brewers fans. (laughs) I'll see you in the parking lot. All right, mad heat. Um, I probably, you know, there the problem with wrestling is there's just so many freaking carnies out there. Because <laughs> I, I had I I also wrestled in uh, Rolla, Missouri, and that obviously got more heat there. And honestly, headlined a show for him, but it was like, oh, we want you to sign contracts, and why haven't you come down here? Okay, well, I'm actually getting ready to train with Danny Daniels. Uh, you're running illegal shows. <laughs> and uh, basically, the, the idea is like, well, it was a promotion called that was going to call themselves Worldwide Web Entertainment. So, okay. WWWE. <laughs> yeah um so i just said yeah no i'll I'll just go as the student instead of the student the game i'm not giving you like um so yeah but um yeah ended up uh main main eventing like the, i think i'm what, just gonna change this fire like i'm sorry i think i'm just gonna change the fire around the punisher skull into clown hair i could see that yeah i mean there you go my Cubs tattoo, it's basically they've won they've won the World Series finally. So I'll get the blue cub darkened and then I'll just put a crown. Yeah, you know, maybe Biggie style. Yeah. I don't know. <laughs> um so that's um but yeah. So you see, so when you put the sunglasses on, you see the world for what it truly is. You see nothing but subliminal messages, like you see um signs saying obey other signs saying stay asleep you could actually see that the there's little mega megaphones i guess you wouldn't say uh siren you know um public announce announcements just saying sleep sleep john carpenter's voice uh yeah right now on the tv yeah and then um and then you then Roddy Piper looking at a looking through a magazine at a um newsstand finds uh gets takes a takes a look up and sees a sees an alien takes the sunglasses off looks human <laughs> so Piper has just discovered there's an alien invasion and he's and he's going he being the 
Bill Pullman of his time, he's going to stop it. Today is our Independence Day, I suppose. Not knowing I that really the- like how these aliens look. Oh yeah, um, and Shepard Fairey's done a bunch of stuff with the alien look too. So yeah, there are times like you can just one hundred percent tell that 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 it's rubber, and I I just I love it. Oh well, yeah, no the. Like it gets really bad once they uh once the at the end of the movie, but by that point it doesn't really matter. So like inside out people. Yeah. <laughs> it's cool, well, it, well, as uh as uh Nada says, you know, I'm just to the scene where they've discovered him, and you know, like, oh, you you know, he he he's showing off the glasses to a clerk. <laughs> After uh, calling, saying some, you know, definite Karen, let's just say it. <laughs> you know, he calls out a Karen for falling into the cheese dip back, dip back in 1957. <laughs> Takes off the glasses. You see, I put these, like, you, you look, well, he turns over, looks at the clerk. You, you look, you okay. Takes off the glasses. But when I put these glasses on, formaldehyde face. <laughs> Uh, which leads me to pretty much believe that, and granted, there is a 4K uh, Blu-ray now, special edition, all the bollocks, um, you know, um, what is it, uh, whistle, you know, all the horns and whistles, I I can't remember the idiom, uh, and bells. It, bells and whistles, thank you, and uh so there's definitely going to be a commentary track by Carpenter. To, um, I don't know. It's wishful thinking, you know, that maybe Piper <laughs> was able to record one for this because the original DVD, and I got it on iTunes right now, is uh, there's no special features. Um, it was just put out there. So, yeah. Pi- so I just have a feeling Piper was pretty, I know he improved the most iconic line. I've come here to chew bubblegum and kick ass and I'm all out of bubblegum. I just have a feeling, you know, once the action really starts going, they just let Piper riff. Like, I mean, it just, it doesn't, it doesn't really sound like Carpenter's writing when you go back to say his, um, really, I guess you'd say it's his only comedy. Well, I guess you could kind of say Starman is a comedy, dramedy, what have you would be a uh, big trouble in little China. And I don't think Kurt Russell was, I think Kurt, Ru- Kurt Russell just didn't feel like he's just riffing. So, um, so I guess I, great. I'm going to have to rebuy this movie a third time, which I'm not really like, but I don't need the digital copy. Uh, I think it's from shout factory though. So there's probably not a, digital copy in the same kind of sense um i don't think well it's shout factory i don't think they want people to actually have digital media <laughs> um well then it, oh, few so, of those movies i need to go back for a rewatch mm. big trouble in little china forever i i just like john carpenter a lot like oh. i wanted to go back and got a prince of darkness oh yeah shutter i've ever seen that uh, I have oh I got I got Prince of Darkness I've got 
I've got most of his stuff by this point. I have never seen Starman. That's my hole in my uh, uh, my um, John Carpenter filmography. So Jeff Bridges, right? Yes. Yep. Um, Karen Allen is the uh, love interest, I suppose. Um, yeah, I I want to say I've seen it. I don't really remember. I definitely. I, I, I've seen bits of it. I but no, I can't say I. But th- I was really young when I saw bits of it. Um, this is when I had a uh, my I have a had a uncle uh, have an uncle in Buffalo, uh, New York, who's um, I mean he was just obsessive about his movies, and for the most, I mean this is the this is the eighties, so. Uh, most of the movies were all, um, you know, taped off television or he'd go to the video store. He always had two tape decks ready to dub, dub the cassettes. Yeah. Uh, you know, we're, we're talking 20, 20, 25 years ago now, surely the statute of, uh, <laughs> limitations. So don't, oh, yeah. worry. don't, don't worry. Don't worry. Uh, Uncle Jim, you're fine. <laughs> I remember my stepdad would have the two. Oh, VCRs I going. Oh well, I was. I'm in the. I was in the. I'm in the wrestling business. You know, I always have to come up with ways to make money. So yeah, I was dubbing tapes. Um, so uh, didn't realize that Ring of Honor had their own copyright protections on their DVDs. Like, but uh, so. But my my uncle, he would go and do all these tapes, and then he'd make catalogs of an entire VHS collection, and he'd go and cut and paste and throw images. Like you know, one page is just the poster for Stripes. <laughs> um, so yeah, very cool guy. Uh, just retired. I I don't. It didn't seem like he put that much time in before he retired, but hey, New York. <laughs> I mean, um, like he was, he wasn't like he, he, t- he didn't really go through college till his, uh, I don't think he graduated till his early thirties, maybe mid thirties, <laughs> but now I'm just being, uh, now I'm sounding judgmental and it's weird just because I found out he's got a Twitter, he, he and his uh, wife who, uh, he didn't, he didn't get married till 2001, <laughs> um, you know, both have Twitter accounts because I, I like to go and um, uh, what is the term squat squat on Twitter Twitter handles. So I have six accounts just because. Well, obviously I'm going to keep Russ the bus. That was my nickname. That's so. I'll, that one is for sale if somebody wants to come for it. <laughs> um, but yeah, so basically, well, I had CM Darth, and since I call myself Cool Movies Darth. Like I better get both of those. So, and I did set that account up today, and uh, not today, uh, over the weekend. And oh, enter your phone number, sure. And then get all the emails to the other accounts. Uh, are you sure you want? The, it's okay to have another Twitter account tied to this phone number. What you know? But when I started typing in suggestions, like when I'm sending out tweets, and you know, tagging people it came up with suggestions and it's like, Oh, the manager of mine from uh, the last hotel I worked at the general manager. Okay. Why did that come up? Why did my uncle Jim and aunt Liz come up? (laughs) And I found out they, 
So that tells you how many people are on Twitter if only like three people came up in my suggestions. Because <laughs> they basically, oh, that phone number is associated with this Twitter account. So but yeah, weird finding out that my, uh, my uh, aunt and uncle have Twitter. <laughs> and they didn't even get clever with the names. Like I know you had Vile Comic 5, but... <laughs> Uh, actually microsoft gave that to me oh microsoft gave you that one well i mean you had to go and when you signed up for twitter you had to go and claim that one it wouldn't be a default on twitter you know i haven't logged into my twitter for like years oh i i I presume as much but i'm just saying like microsoft may have gave you vile comic and you may have just been using that everywhere (laughs) yeah that's true yeah so okay but so Basically, Piper, okay, Piper eventually runs into a previous uh, star of a, well, I can't really say she was a star of uh, Blind Fury, which is getting a 4K release soon. Oh, shit, I was right. That is the lady from Blind Fury. Right, Meg Foster. I was thinking that when I was watching this earlier today. Yep, yep, Meg Foster. She's got the ultimate resting bitch face. She really does. I mean, she's she's got and she's got searing eyes. Like I have this one DVD uh, I won at a drunken zombie uh, double feature um, door prize, and it's just nothing but old trailers from about the seventies up into the early eighties, and like, and this is like grindhouse kind of stuff, like there's movies of her in the 70s and whoa quite the number there (laughs) but um yeah i digress but uh she's also in the movie leviathan if you're familiar with that one um peter weller ernie hudson daniel cern uh right right under the water they all they all get infected by uh russian vodka into becoming one giant monster leviathan i should say there we go like here's something i didn't know like we really need it with especially if piper's improv but i'll get back to that so he meets so piper meets meg foster who works at a television station and it's not really it's not really a great angle because it's just like piper immediately kind of falls in love i suppose which just tells you women are the worst hostages. I mean, you can't have them around for long. I mean, yeah, oh, screaming, you know, the damsel in distress. I get that. But if you're a dude, you're also, I think you're all... Immediately, I think he mostly just feels bad. He's not like... This oh, no, he, he, he yeah, he, he only kidnaps her to yeah. escape. But... And he's also high off wearing the sunglasses. <laughs> um, so yeah, but all of a move though, she cocks him with that bottle and just shoves him out. Never, ne- well, again, it's it's other things like never trust somebody who says, "I'm thirsty," and they equate thirst with alcoholism. Alcohol, like like. You know, if that woman is not going for it, that there he there he goes. And then the twenty 
to the second story fall. If he didn't land on a hill, he'd probably have been should have been dead. <laughs> um, yeah. So basically, bones. Yeah, the hell of the hill. Oh, he's a he. Well, the, I guess kayfabe, man, kayfabe. <laughs> he's, he's a wrestler. We know how to fall. Um, so let's see. Piper improvising. Color person is lead. Meg Foster conversation. Women. It is... would be pretty. If they just said, if he was just like a wrestler looking for work. Like oh, his territory. Yeah, down. he's just wandering around looking for another place to wrestle. Oh, well, no, no, we got we got the remake, which I think just because of so. But back to the plot: Piper meets that woman, <laughs> meets that woman, and then they, um, I mean, he kidnaps her to escape the cops, and then eventually tables are turned because he's because the sunglasses are like a drug, and basically he then turns to trying to get Frank on board, which ends up resulting in still the best fight, I would say, in all of cinema. Yeah, it's a good fight. Yeah, I mean, South Park went and recreated it shot for shot for the cripple fight. If you've seen that episode. Yeah, have you you seen? It never dawned on me that it was the exact same fight. Oh, especially the lines. Not this year. Not this year. Yeah, helps helps at <laughs> grabs the yeah uh and they, they like if you watch that like dvd they show that on the uh feature how they did it shot for shot as <laughs> but you know when keith he this movie oh yeah no keith david i i mean here's the thing i don't think i've ever seen him as the star of a movie which granted he came up i mean his you know he was coming up in the late 70s uh 80s and by the time you know he's i imagine he can't actually say i I would imagine he's got to be close to the age of samuel jackson samuel jackson's the age of my dad he's so that makes him 74 so he's got to be close to he's got I think Flair is 72, 73. You, are you watching the fight tomorrow? Oh, no. I think it was tonight, wasn't it? Yeah. No, it's the 31st. I'm ordering it. Oh, I, I can't. I mean, we got we got two sexual... We got two sexual predators in the ring. Jay Lethal and Ric Flair. Yeah, they both probably get a bleed. Oh, didn't Flair bleed during that promo? I mean, that, that, that you know, promotion for it? Yeah, dude. Jeff Jarrett busted him open with that heel of his wife's shoe. <laughs> well, and Jeff Jarrett, I, I'm a fan. I mean, he he just... An IWA story, I guess. IWA Mid-South story. I did read, like, one weekend, Jarrett did IWA. And I guess he smacked Ian's kid. Uh, legit like backstage or something and i remember so i was setting up i I set up a ring for um ian a couple times 
um, before I ever wrestled at IWA. And when I wrestled at IWA, it was a tryout match. Um, and as I say, I don't have any ill will to Ian, but John Calvin, his kid. Oh God. He was so like, I probably met him when he's 10 and he's just maybe even younger, but he's cursing at us as we're setting up the ring, <laughs> trying to bark in order. So it's like, yeah, no, I can appreciate and shot him for and some, somebody finally put that kid in his place. <laughs> so by that by that point uh john john calvin was probably probably 18 actually wrestling for ian um so that's uh but uh yeah so basically it becomes frank frank nada and the under all he they come across the most of the people who were actually making the sunglasses at least in la and they're getting ready for war. And wouldn't you know it, Meg Foster comes back and, you know, it's like, no, it's not the TV station. I checked. Like, she's going to be part of the resistance. And you know where that's going to go. Yeah. So that's that's the plot. Basically, it's going to make be a one, uh, you know, suicide mission to destroy the signal. And, yeah, I mean... You got to have some satisfaction. So, but this is a movie that I think could be remade today just because of the political environment we're in. I mean, oh, yeah, I'm surprised it hasn't actually. Well, the other remake. Well, Carpenter probably is protective after Halloween. Of, I mean, not to say that he might own the rights or not, but. Like Carpenter approved of the first Halloween, didn't wasn't a fan of it. The first Halloween we make wasn't a fan, and I know he did not care for the sequel. <laughs> I have not seen the Halloween two, uh, Rob Zombie's Halloween two. I like the first Halloween. I mean, don't I like, watch it. I I don't know. It's just like after they give. I mean, it, the problem with Rob Zombie's Halloween is that it kind of defeats the purpose of Michael Myers. Like he is the shape. We're not supposed to really know why he's pure evil. I mean, they basically made him like they made, they made Michael Myers relatable. And I think the first one's fun just because you got Danny Trejo, you got Malcolm McDowell, you got Brad Dorif, uh, Tyler, Tyler Bain as Michael Myers. Like, I, I get it. there's there's something to enjoy from all of that. It doesn't stand up on a rewatch. I'll say that much. Um, hey, so I'm curious about the second one. Thanks for telling me not to watch that one. Not- it is a big shift from the first one. It gets so artsy fartsy, and it's just what am I even watching? Well, you see now that that's that's not what I needed to know because now it looks like you know a train where like. All right, this is a car accident, <laughs> and we all know. I feel like we... the, last the, music, the last half of the of that movie, I, I feel like I'm watching this weird music video. Yeah, I've heard that. So, um, but uh, no, with they live, I, I guess it's for. By the way, while we're on Rob Zombie. Okay, uh, let me just be. Uh... I'm sorry. You have any hope for the monsters? God, uh, that looks awful. I I have just like 
I've only seen like truth be told, the only Rob Zombie movie I have seen is Halloween. Um which is really like, yeah. Um I mean everybody kind of all like over overrated uh House of the Thousand Corpses. Nobody denies the six that um the devil's reject works very well. Or at least everybody that says a, it does. Right. Uh, oh, I should yeah, say. As a movie as a whole, it's, it's really good. Yeah. Um, and then he did Halloween, and then he did the, the, yeah, then he did the Halloween movies, and then he started doing a lot of like, okay, you really lost your. Just, just movies that seem like, okay, um, maybe you're trying to be. Uh, Lucio Fulci, I guess. You're not Argento by any stretch of the imagination. But uh I, I, I guess but it's just like eh, just does nothing really draw. Like nobody ever really said I'm sure he's got a lot of fans, but nobody really ever said, you know, oh uh C thirty one or the Witches of Salem or um Nobody, nobody's ever said, yeah, these are things you got to see. <laughs> yeah. Well, a uh, select few, like, goth people with no taste would, but mm-hmm. I, I've had a few people tell me that I need to see 31. And I know, I, I, so I'm sure I've seen, and I don't remember anything that happened. Yeah. Okay. Well, I look at it. I watch a lot of what, what culture videos on YouTube. So, um, so yeah, I've so thirty one actually seems enticing, and I've seen a. But then again, I've seen the movie like a movie called. Uh, I think they called it Thirteen Game of Death. It's a Thai Thai movie. Uh, they remade it to uh, Thirteen Sins, I think, with Ron Perlman. So look, anything's anything's worth watching if you got Ron Perlman. But I digress um about game but you know and never mind i'm a big saw guy so you got all the games concepts like um so i guess maybe that's why 31 seems tempting um so i don't know man the monsters definitely looks like a porn parody though and that might be a good thing that's just it (laughs) Um, oh, no. I, just, uh, I, I don't like his wife Sherry Moon. I don't think she's a good actress. I don't think I she's a good. I don't. I don't think she's a good actress either. But I mean, when we're talking about directors, and this is a note of mine, um, especially polarizing directors, I myself am a big Kevin Smith fan. I talk about it in the Fan Expo episode about three episodes back. Um, my experience at Fan Expo, which. I honestly, Fan Expo screwed things up. I did get my J, uh, Blunt Man and Chronic uh, Funko Pop signed by uh, Smith and Muse. But yeah, that was the big draw for me was Kevin Smith. Uh, Fan Expo, you can kind of like, they, they kind of screwed up after Wizard World. Like, okay, and at seven o'clock, well, you can either see the four hobbits. Um, Billy Boyd, Dominic Monaghan, uh, Sean Astin, and Elijah Wood do their panel. Or, or Hobbit, this is all badass doo-wop group. <laughs> yeah, it's, 
<laughs> well, great. Now, now we get a robot chicken sketch. Uh, <laughs> uh, I mean, I, I got, I got a, I got a friend of mine, JD Griefing, who's got his own YouTube channel, does some good stuff. Um, and uh, he's been a guest of the show. We talked about uh, stealing Harvard with Tom Green and Jason Lee. Um, and but um, yeah, so you can see the four hobbits, or you can see, or you could listen in to a Jay and Silent Bob get old podcast. Either way, you're paying thirty bucks for each one. Like I've already paid a hundred dollars for a three day pass, so it's kind of insulting. Did I? And but no, I was definitely going to go because I'm a Kevin Smith fan. I went and saw the podcast recording which was pretty fun um i think you have to be a smodcast subscriber but hey if you can figure a way to monetize i can't fault you like all i want yeah, is I, all i want I is guess. this all i want is this podcast to make me the 200 extra 200 dollars a week that i should have been making i should be making wrestling if i didn't flake out is that how he's doing smodcast now uh, Kevin Smith. Uh, well, he's had the Smodcast yeah. Network for a while. I know there's some free free podcasts. I wouldn't be surprised if he's got paywalls. Um, I, I usually listen to stuff through Stitcher. There hasn't been new episodes of that for a while. I was just wondering if that that's why I'm thinking he's probably gone all Smodcast then. Yeah. But uh, yes. uh, but no. So, but the problem with the so did that, and I bought a autograph session with both uh, Muse and and. Uh, smith and i get there i think an hour before it was we was supposed to happen uh and it was a um so i sat so i stood there and then two out it wasn't two hours until he really got the autograph line rolling and again vips and i don't even want to get into gosh people in the midwest man (laughs) i mean believe me i work at walmart now i know yeah, uh, well, Walmart kind of everybody. I think I, I've never seen a Walmart that isn't the same. <laughs> so, not just the Midwest, but I think a lot of people. Again, people just feel entitled. Like there's people who, like I had a friend uh, back in Peoria, real big twat, honestly. But my oldest friend, I guess you'd say, um, knew him since kindergarten. He once moved to Chicago after he got his degree to think work for hewlett packard and he just didn't like chicago like big fish it was little big fish little pond situation for him and like you know he's talking he was a big wwe mark and it's like dude i go to indie shows man i go up to chicago that's where i trained well i trained in davenport but uh like it was it was interesting danny would train us in davenport because basically his top two students came from davenport Merrick Brave and Tyler Black. <laughs> and um and then he but Danny bought AAW up in Chicago basically so he could showcase those guys. And then it just his promotion was too good and I mean it's still great. Uh I recommend anybody go check out an AAW show, but it's not what it was supposed to be. It wasn't supposed to be NXT for his kids. <laughs> um you know, once once Eddie Kingston and Kevin Steen won the title, like, yeah. Um, but I digress there. So, Eddie Kingston and who? Uh, Kevin Steen. 
I didn't know they were a tag team. No, they weren't a tag team. They both won the uh, title, the top oh. title there. Uh, Kevin Steen just won it for a show and then dropped it to the next month. Um, and uh, Eddie Kingston, like I thought he was going to do the same thing to make uh, Danny's third best student, uh, Shane Hollister, um, look good. And no, Kingston kept the belt. It's like, okay, so that's the end of just putting your putting your kids over. But Danny, Danny had stopped training by that training kids by that point. It's just, you know, he had a family. He just started a family, and yeah, it's just uh. So yeah, so basically, oh geez, now I'm kind of lost. Oh, Kevin Smith. So basically, I waited two uh, two hours for Kevin Smith, and then they're basically say the security is coming by. Who has four day pass? Who has three day? Who has the four day passes? I do. Look, we got a bunch of people who only have one day passes. They came here strictly to get an autograph from Kevin Smith. Could you? We'll figure something out for you the next day. Because <laughs> uh, he's not scheduled to do autographs, we'll we'll figure it out. And yeah, they kind of figured it out. But I saw the wait another two hours that morning, next morning. <laughs> and I'm more embarrassed. <laughs> I'm more. I don't know. It's it's. It, it, it's it's tough for me just because like i get to kevin smith and basically like everybody ahead of him was talking his ear off <laughs> and i get to yeah him. That, what, that's what always turned me off about his podcast is his fans like will these people just shut the smack up yeah no it's like they always seem kind of entitled like I, right. i'm gonna halt this entire show I can go on this whole thing like god damn it man this isn't why i listen to this yeah no the well and i'm just saying like i'm sitting in the queue waiting in the queue and people are getting pissed that kevin smith hasn't come back yet and it's like okay one he's doing us a favor for doing this show i mean yeah we're paid i'm paid 105 dollars to get both autographs um so it'd been 60 if i just wanted smith's or Jason Muse, he's a pretty easy to get, <laughs> pretty easy dude. Um, but it's like I go to Disney, you know, I've been I tend to go to Disney World almost like it's there was a time where it was every five years. Uh it's not like that now. I'm a poor guy living in a apartment that Allie from Allie's Accessory Shop on Etsy <laughs> says is ghetto. Um <laughs> but um uh, the point the but what i'm getting at is just basically like okay if you're going if you go to disney world or if you get you know you're going to be waiting in line most of the time that's just what you expect to do it's like and it goes back to my friend trent oh sorry i dropped his name no i'm not sorry for walking out on your wedding <laughs> I didn't I didn't actually walk out on his wedding. I declined to be an usher after we had a falling out. Uh he didn't think there was gonna be a falling out. Yeah, but I digress. Um I embarrassed him was his biggest problem with me. Like um yeah. Um didn't drop his last name, so who cares? Um he's like, No, I'm not gonna drive to see wrestling. Like, yeah, but you're not going to see anything good on WWE TV in 2010. Uh, 
Or I would say even, you know, even like we were watching wrestling together up until I left for Champaign-Urbana. So, you know, 2015. The only reason I watched WWE, like after, like I eventually got fed up with it. I was sick. Like once Michael B. Cole became a character, I was gone. Checked out. Especially when they're burying the women's matches to push push his character. And it's like, if it wasn't for the pipe bomb, I wouldn't give a shit. So that's an AAW story for you. The week that Punk walked away from WWE after winning the title in Chicago, he uh he was at the he was at the AAW show supporting Colt Cabana. Uh and eventually Colt Cabana coerced him to make an appearance. But in the meantime, me and him are just sitting watching a t- watching the monitor in the back <laughs> next to each other. Like, okay, who's this guy? He's asking me who's this guy. And then he kind of got pissed when I saw a shoulder breaker being performed. I said vintage. And granted, I didn't watch much WWE, even when I was wrestling, just because I'd always work second shift. <laughs> so never got to see the live show. Which brings me the ring brings up Ring of Honor to mind because um I love the fact like I kind of love the fact it's so they're not running every week. <laughs> Makes it feel extra special, like when I drive up to Chicago to see it back in the day before they got TV. Um, but um, yeah, so I'm sitting back with Punk, and you know, so I I accidentally said vintage Scott Norton when I saw a shoulder breaker, and fortunately, my good friend Brett Kakia did go and uh, kind of cover that up. He said, "No, that's vintage Papa Shango," and Punk popped for that after giving me the dirty look. <laughs> So that's my punk story. Um, don't think he's as good a guy as he comes off as, but most most indie wrestlers will tell you that. I mean, hell, Eddie Kingston made it there's his story. Um, that's Coley Pop or Papa Shango. That's like one of my <laughs> earliest like memories was just being fascinated by Papa Shango. Oh, uh, I had that was like the second like I had seen two wwe shows live at the peoria civic center um before my and uh the first one was like a major taping and um they did close it out with a main event like they had the place sold out um they closed it with hulk hogan versus one man gang (laughs) (laughs) and then uh i didn't see like I didn't see any shows again, again until um, my little brother. Yeah, as I said, that's why I was worried. Like, so is that a is that a train on your side passing by? Oh no, it's I haven't muted the movie when I started the podcast. Oh yeah, no, it's 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 it's, right next to tracks. It's downstate Illinois. Everybody ends up dealing with the train. Like, um, I had to, you know, just shoot the shit with uh ben bailey i think it is the host of cash cab when i was working for the mark twain hotel um i was uh the the concierge basically the shuttle driver so i drove uh ben bailey um tom green michael winslow uh like um the guy who played biff uh from back to the future was my first ride um yeah a lot to, oh i mean 
Tommy Davidson, really cool. David Allen Greer, pretty mellow. <laughs> but uh, I digress to all that. Um, yeah, but one time, yeah, one t- if you if you've been to Peoria trying to get to the jukebox comedy club, you, there's a chance that the there is a train that's going to get in your way. <laughs> And yeah, so I had to shoot the shit with him talking about how um, like parents wouldn't let me listen to dirty music until the till um, who, you know, the till my sister got into the who and then it was, uh, you know, the chorus of who are you, you know, um, you know, Roger Daltrey just says, who the f- are you <laughs> like, um so yeah um but yeah so midwestern people especially like because i don't think they're like the only amusement parks there are up around chicago is pretty much um i guess you could go to the dells but otherwise it's just great america and believe me it's not that busy i if it's been a long time since i went to mid-america in st louis uh it's not that those queues are not that long (laughs) so Oh, and now I'm at the shootout in the uh, alley where you can briefly see legendary action star Al Leong. Uh, You probably know him best from Lethal Weapon as the guy who's torturing uh, Riggs. Uh, Mel Gibson with the uh, water and the electricity. If that doesn't come to mind, he's... um, He's a he's the Asian henchman uh, in uh, Die Hard. Yeah, yeah, you had me at Lethal Weapon, buddy. I okay, fucking, I love those movies. Yeah, he was all he he shows he's, he's uncredited in a lot of uh, John Carpenter movies. I think the only one he really got a credit for was he was one of the um, oh um, whatever uh, David Lopez um uh crew was in uh big trouble in little china <laughs> he's just got he's got an iconic look he's also in showdown in little tokyo um that's a guy i'd love to see at a con just because like you were you're you're just the random asian guy <laughs> <laughs> can i hear a wahoo <laughs> 